guys. Welcome to the another edition of the In The Round podcast, our first recording of 2023. It's your boy Matt Burrell here, and today we have a very special episode. Um, probably one of the most influential guys that in, in the country media realm, a guy that I've been following for a long time, that we've been following it in the round for a while, and um, a guy that's recently moved to town, and uh, someone that if you're into country music and you're into the conversations that are around country music, you'll know this dude. It's my good buddy, Mr. Grady Smith. Grady, how you doing, brother? Good. I feel I feel so accomplished with that intro. Thank it, you. It's the years of being a, being an overworked, underpaid radio guy, knowing how to do intros like that, you well, know? Good. Yeah. I, I only had six months as a radio guy once in New York, but... Really? What were you doing there? What station? So it was actually Sirius XM. Okay. It was when I worked at Entertainment Weekly. We had a – we started a Sirius XM channel that I think was just Sirius XM 105, and it was EW Live. But I hosted a show. First it was called By the Numbers, and then they pivoted all the afternoon shows to be called The Editor's Hour, where you're getting to chat with the editors of Entertainment Weekly because it was like all – old school media stuff where yeah. they think that's like a big appeal um, to talk to the editors. But we would just do kind of like talk radio about pop culture. And um, I was an editorial assistant. I was like six promotions away from an editor, but I had to cosplay as an editor uh, for a couple hours a week on the radio, which was fun. Yeah. And those, how long ago was that? Cause those serious has gone through like levels of changes. Cause like I was in Jersey working in radio. So there was like a lot of crossover between folks that were working in like Cumulus, iHeart or back mm -hmm. then Clear Channel or mm -hmm. like different networks that were pivot over to Sirius and then come back to all that stuff. It would have been 2013. It would have been 2013 that oh, all shit. that was going down. Cause I quit in 2014, like the whole magazine world. And so, um, it was only in my last year there that I was doing that. Really? No shit. Okay, cool. Yeah, because so like you, your kind of approach is like doing the journal. Like you're a journalist. You're a lover of country music. You're a personality. You do the YouTube. Like you do all kinds of different shit. So was journalism like the first thing you were diving into and doing? Yeah, it, definitely out of college. That was my. That was my path. I went up to New York. I wrote for entertainment weekly i was on staff there my original passion was the movies and specifically the movie industry so all through college like i had this blog that all my friends gave me shit for called the box office junkie Hell yeah. um and i would do almost like fantasy box office where i would uh predict how much money the top 10 would make each weekend and that's how i learned about video making a lot was i would film that which now knowing what i know about youtube not a great strategy because you're only giving that video like two days of shelf life uh, yeah. to succeed of like, how much do I think they're going to make this weekend? Why would you watch that a year from now? Yeah. Um, but I would do that. And then on Sundays I would do a wrap up video of how much money the movies had made. And I, at some point in like Oh nine made a video called, I want an internship at entertainment weekly. And I tweeted it at all of their writers and it made it like this one guy, Michael Osiello retweeted it and it made it all the way to the editor-in-chief, and that guy messaged me and was like, hey, you should come up here and interview. And so I did an internship up there and then got hired after college, but it it was interesting. Yeah, I kind of like got thrown. I didn't go to journalism school or anything. I just had a blog. They were like, can you send us some like published pieces of yours when I was interviewing? And I was like, I mean, does a blog count? Yeah. <laughs> like I've never been published by someone else, but here's 700 pieces of my writing if you're interested in it. And that was interesting because it was certainly a fast track and it was also a huge target on my back that created a lot of resentment from me because a lot of people on staff didn't like that I had been kind of 
plucked off the internet and given a staff position at a big national magazine. So it was kind of like, you know, in hindsight, getting thrown into the deep end. And I'm thankful for my time there and learned a ton, but also glad to kind of control my own platform now. Were you a WordPress guy when you were doing the blog? Because that's where I was. I had a sports blog around that same time. I was in middle school, like high school. Uh, or like, no, I think I was in the sixth grade when I started. I used to just blog about the, I was a sports, uh, sports was my thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get into the country music thing until later. But like, I remember just being a kid and my friends would also give me shit for it a little bit. They're like, <laughs> dude, why aren't you coming out here? And why aren't you online playing Call of Duty with us? Why are you writing a 1200 word blog post about CC Sabathia signing with the New York Yankees? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, it just feels great. To it's just- like, dude, I got to make my DVD uh, and Blu-ray sales chart for the week. That was mine. It's yeah. like every Wednesday I post the Blu-ray sales. Do you, do, you, do you miss the movies being what they were like when we were kids and growing up? Cause like the movies and blog, like, just the, the whole industry's changed now. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I mean, yes and no. I, I guess I miss it. Although, I've, I, look, I've been, we're in the midst of Avatar 2 uh, right? having a surprisingly good run at the box office like after a, a disappointing start. So maybe they're back. A billion, right? Is that it's at 1.4 billion worldwide. Jeez. Um, and it's like trending like 50% ahead in the US of where the first Avatar was. And uh, so I still, I still have a little bit of that uh, juice left in me. But no, I loved going to the movies with friends. For me, it was. I don't know. I don't know that it's how my sister, I have a way younger sister. I don't know that this is how she relates to her friends and her own adolescence, but getting dropped off at the movies was like such a rite of passage and like seeing Zoolander and then loitering in Barnes and Noble afterwards (laughs) while someone blue steel. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like there was a mall nearby. So like your options after the movies were either go loiter in Barnes and Noble and ride the escalators up and down until some associate told you to leave <laughs> or walk over to the mall and go to Coldstone and like keep tipping them until they had to like, you know how they have to sing when you tip them at Coldstone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we would go to Brookstone and just sit in all the massage chairs. Until, yes, you know, I did these, that too. Those were like a big part of being 13. Yeah, that was the the 90s kid in the in the mid-2000s. <laughs> yes. That was the the experience. We used to sneak in. We used to, um, well, you buy the classic, you buy the, the ticket for the one movie, but you end up seeing like two or three throughout no, the day. I was much more. Uh, I did. I did of that a goody two shoes than that. And then the candy, the sketchy candy store in the shopping center next to the movie theater, and you wear that North Face jacket. But your, <laughs> yes. mom, your mom thinks you. Oh, great! He's bundling up. But no, mom, I'm just trying to sneak in Butterfingers and a little Crunch Bunch. Things see, I couldn't. I couldn't snacks. have. I was so. That would make me. I would have like burst into flame if really? I had tried to do that. Really? I'm not a rule breaker. I've become more of one as I've gotten older. I was going to say, yeah. Um, but I I was not at that age, and, not at all. And you're, you're from Virginia, right? Yeah. Okay, sweet. And you, so I think we're opposites when it comes to, I don't know if you're a big sports guy. I grew up a big Virginia Tech fan. <laughs> and I think, I believe you're a Charlottesville guy, right? I, I'm from Richmond, but I went to school at UVA. Okay. And so I, and then I lived in Charlottesville for like the past eight years yeah. right before moving here. So, um, but honestly, like I feel zero allegiance to them. I'll never give them any money. Um, well, they so, have so much. So money, I'm fine like... to support you in your uh, tech fandom. Yeah, and it's maybe been... that's sacrilege, but <laughs> no love lost between me and the university. <laughs> yeah, I, there's and we've done. We actually were out in Richmond. Dude, we did a show out there with Trey recently, which I've been. I did shows out there with Musk and I back in the day too. Where what's the th- there's a theater out there the national the national I did the national with Musk and I that's like the and, coolest thing. and then there's a new newer spot that's like a it's like it's like a step below Brooklyn Bowl but it's like that concept it's like Broadberry what was it or, what the hell was the name of it 
It was like a bowling alley fucking, but rich. River City Roll, right? River City Roll. Okay. And it was like a bowling alley on one side, brick oven pizza. It's like brick oven pizza, bowling, live music in one. And the crowd in Richmond, like there is a cool like music scene out there in Virginia. And you have West Virginia right over there. You have Kentucky right there. Like you've got a nice little mix of different I'm glad you noticed because it is like so the thing to do on every tour to just leapfrog over the entirety of central Virginia yeah. and just go either from like Charlotte to DC or like Virginia Beach to DC. Yeah. And I'm like, Richmond and Charlottesville are pretty vibrant music oh, scenes. Jefferson Theater in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. That's a classic spot. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people just skip them. So it's fun always when people actually do because Charlottesville is interesting. It's a small little town, but you got a stadium where occasionally they do have shows. They had like U2 came and played there when I was in college. And then you've got arenas for the basketball team. And then you've got everything down the line. They have a big amphitheater. And so it, it weirdly does get pretty good music for being a pretty random town of, yeah. I think, like 50,000 people. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy going going through there, and it's like my on my way home back to New York when I'm doing, which I know you did the drive back from Virginia. And it doesn't, like you said, from a border state for a border state, it's a it's a relatively long drive because we're in Middle Tennessee. So when I drive up back home to New York, and you take I eighty one, and you're going through the, the Blue you have Ridge. to go all the way up through like DC and like. I avoid that. So I, I add an extra hour so I don't have to go through DC. And you just DC. go up into Pennsylvania. I go and up cut into over. PA and then you cut all the way across, hit hit a cup, maybe hit a sheets along the way, you know, <laughs> get get them two for one hot dogs. Do you, you know? remember the first time you ever went to a sheets? I do because I was like, this looks like Wawa, but it's not Wawa because that's what we had in Jersey. Okay. The Wawa's. But I was like, wait a second. Like, the, the menu was just great. The breakfast, oh. the bathrooms are light years cleaner than a Wawa bathroom, yes. which was nice. I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. And I, I was in Pennsylvania the first time I went to Sheets, and just my mind was blown at the just touchscreen order. I was like, I can order anything, and they just make it right here. It felt like the future. Yeah, and the fact that they're open 24 hours, and they've got people like- Are they still? And, yeah, they've-, they've and as far as I know, I've hit, I hit one at like four in the morning a couple weeks ago. Dude, that's a dream. I did not know that. And I look, there are bigger losses than this uh, throughout the pandemic. But the idea that the, some of my late night staples, I'm a night owl, Bro, like Walmart, are still not open yeah, overnight. Dude, the fact kill that me. Taco Bell's not open till three, four in the morning anymore. I used to get three a.m. Taco Bell all the, the Taco time. Taco Bell where I live is open till three. Really? But well, you're but, in a, you, oh, you're you're in like one of the best. Not to give away where you live, if you don't want that being public knowledge. But the that little circle, that weird cul-de-sac of fast that food cul -de -sac restaurants, cul-de-sac of just fast food munchy, like degenerate fast food restaurants, where you got Taco Bell, Wendy's, and and Mickey D's right next to each other. Yeah, and Chick Fil A across the street. And Chick Fil A and across like, the street. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I've literally, I just was making egg white bites before moving here. If I was a couple minutes late, because. Yeah, when I moved here, I also discovered that little cul-de-sac of munchies, and yeah. I was like, good gracious, yeah. I'm eating so badly all the time, because yeah. it's like across the street. Yeah, and I actually lost weight when I moved from the north to the south, which I was like, fast food alley, barbecue, like, I'm going to be... I'm going to be greasy down here. I'm going to probably put on about 10, 15 pounds on Uber. But back home, I'm eating pizza. I'm eating bagels. I'm eating a sandwich. Mom's making pasta for dinner. Wait. Like, it's so beef and potatoes in New York. Best bagels I've ever had was actually in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Yeah. And I was staying with my friend, and his mom was like, oh, I got you tartan ham. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the heck is tartan ham? And she's like, you don't know what it is? And I've, I've since learned from Jersey friends that it's just like, a, oh, yeah, you got to get like a ham, egg, and cheese with... 
tartan ham. Well, so I haven't heard it called tartan ham, but they call it North Jersey. They call it Taylor ham. Taylor, that, no, you're yes. right. Taylor ham. So this is a big. My bad. This, no, you're good. This is a big, big discrepancy in the state of New Jersey. And because so Jersey, a very aggressive place. It's in between New York City and Philadelphia, which to me, like the fact, I mean, I mean they have millions of people in such a small state, kind of like the D.C. area where it's just very congested. So in South Jersey, they call it pork roll. Which is technically the term for what the what it is. That's like bacon. So like that bacon is bacon, but you have Oscar Mayer, you have like different styles of it. Taylor is one of the brands. Now Taylor is only available really in North <laughs> Jersey, so they call it Taylor Ham. And then North and South Jersey both agree that sa- that Central Jersey doesn't exist. Okay. I went to college <laughs> in Central New Jersey because that was our radio station. Today's hits, yesterday's favorites, Magic ninety eight point three, Central Jersey's music station, and some people would call it Taylor Ham, some people would call it Pork Roll, but people will legitimately like argue over Taylor Ham or Pork Roll. But yes, Taylor Ham on a bagel is like, yeah, it's it's just like a salty, greasy breakfast. Totally, meat. I remember getting a French toast bagel with Taylor Ham. Oh, you and, French toast bagel? Oh yeah, that's, and I that's was like, going this for is it. this is extravagant. I was in college <laughs> in Jersey for the first time, and I was like, I love Jersey. <laughs> so anyway, I believe it. I believe yeah, that you, you ate badly there. Yeah. Did you? Um, so how many years did you live up in New York? Because you were in, you started out in Virginia. You were out in the Midwest for a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you, or no, so it was just Virginia and New York? Virginia, then I went straight up to New York. I went to uh, 2011 through like late 2014. So almost uh, four years that I was up there, like three and a half, four years. And uh, then I came down to Charlottesville again, and then just six months ago moved here. So about four years up there. What took you so long to get here, being involved in country as long as you have? Like, what were kind of? Because I remember you you talked a lot about it, like when you were when you were kind of more totally. with the process. Like you you documented it very well of when you were thinking about coming here and making the move and looking for the apartment and going and touring all the apartments and houses Jeez. and all that right. stuff. And, yeah. What 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 made it to where within the last six months you were like. Fuck it, let me come out here. So from the very beginning of ever talking about country, I've always had a somewhat critical take on the industry. Um, even back when I when I was at Entertainment Weekly, I started just kind of dipping my toe into writing about country. And some of my original pieces that blew up were, I think I the, the first one that really was popular was I wrote one way back in like 2012 or 2013 called like, how country music went crazy, a timeline of the genre civil war. Cause at the time it was like Zach Brown and saying that Jason Aldean's song was the worst song he'd ever heard. Yeah. Um, and then you had like Casey Musgraves coming up and singing songs. Like, I don't want to be in your good old boys club. And there was just a lot of, it was interesting. And so I've always written about that and it was really easy to write about that in New York. And it was really easy to write about that when you're you know, 22 and don't know who you're offending. Um, Once you start to get a sense of like, oh gosh, the genre likes to play nice and people like to pretend that everyone gets along, then it's, um, you're a little more reticent maybe to say some of those things. And as like I had transitioned in recent years into being a YouTuber, um, again, all my most popular videos are negative. Even though I believe I'm a quite positive person. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the things that people know me for are things like why country music was awful in 2013. This beat is killing country music. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, all my most popular things are sort of negative in tone. And that's, you know, 
sort of why people value me, or at least that's what I gather from the fact that there's so many views on stuff like that. And I think I've always feared, to answer your question, that if I came to Nashville, I'd feel censored or bridled or unwilling to be so open. Be a critic. Yeah, because like I don't want to offend the publicist next door. And you know, I, I, that just fear of like, well, what good would come from being in the center of the industry that I'm trying to tell the truth about? And like, I, I'll be compromised. I'll get invited to some party. And that guy was actually really nice. And now I don't want to say that his song sucks. And, yeah. um, it, you know, the, and there's some truth to that. That's kind of like, if you've ever seen Almost Famous, that's like what that whole movie's about. Yes, yeah. You can't fly too close to the sun. You can't be friends with these people. And yet, at the same time, I, I don't know that the paradigm of journalism that I, I learned up in New York where there is a lot more of a separation of church and state. Like I wasn't allowed to review any album of someone I'd interviewed in the last three years. Yeah. That's how it is up there. Yeah. And, uh, cause they, they they don't want you to be compromised, but it's like, I've just watched that wall evaporate. Now it's weird when you are like more of an influencer and you can interview someone and then turn right around and act like they don't exist and review their album. And and I've had to do that a few times. Like, you know, Kit Moore was the first kind of big person that ever came on my channel. And then I think I didn't like like his next single. And you always get a few comments that are like, you're so ungrateful. And, and it is confusing to kind of navigate. You're like, maybe I am ungrateful. Maybe, but, but no, I almost make myself be a little bit more well, negative. Well, people like going to you too, because you kind of curate in a way you curate, you know, like people like hearing what you are, what you are into in a way. They yes. like getting your thoughts on this, you know, and people that are especially as deep thinking when it comes to the country music genre, they're going to go to you because of how deep thinking you are. Cause there's lots of platforms out there and there's lots of, Lots of resource out there to, to find new music and lots of commentary within country music. But like you said, a lot of it's just copy and paste the press release that the XYZ PR company sends. Oh, totally. Not honest journalism, not honest opinionated editorial pieces, whether that's video, written, blog post, whatever. So it's that's to yeah. me like what, what you bring. And you've introduced a, like you've been a, a Kind of the last few years, like the rise of guys like Zach Bryan, Charles Wesley Goblin, which I know is another proud Appalachia, yeah. Appalachia guy. And, and seeing that kind of subgenre within country music come up, and you've documented that really well. What's that kind of been like to, to watch? And I know you got to do that interview with Zach Bryan, right? Totally, totally. Which is a huge thing because that, that's very that – That was the happen. only interview of Zach for a long time. That was the only on-camera interview of him till like this year. So yeah. that kind of rode for three years of just like it bombed out of the gate. And I was like, man, I really thought the hype was real on this guy. And then like over time, I was like, okay, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think that is – it's been very validating to my gut in a way. Like I've just – when you talk to people a lot of times in the music industry, they're just obsessed with data. And when you say things like, I promise you this guy's act is happening. Like I can just tell I've never been DM'd by so many people that are like, dude, you got to check out Zach Bryan, which still to this day, people DM me like they're, they're first on the case. They're like, <laughs> dude, have you heard of Zach Bryan? I'd love to hear you talk about him on your channel. And I'm like, there's not much more I could do. Okay. Yeah. There's like, says like a lot of dedicated videos on the channel, but uh, when you try to tell people that like a few years ago, they're like, well, does he have a single out? Like, what are his streams like? And you're like, no, 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 it's just videos on YouTube right now. But I just promise you like everywhere he goes, he just completely sells it out. People are obsessed with him. They love him. His writing is amazing. And 
I think it's been validating over the last couple of years to just realize, oh, I'm not crazy. Like, uh, this stuff really is happening. I'm watching the numbers go up. Now they're getting the streams and now suddenly they're the cool kids and everyone is chasing, like, how do we get this gritty sound and, um, stuff like Zach Bryan. And, and so it's, it's just been cool to realize like, yeah, you can trust your gut. If the thing happening right in front of your eyes is happening, just trust yourself. Yeah. Do you think part of Zach getting to where he's, where he's at was kind of that, that opening in that part of that subgenre with Tyler and Sturgill falling off a little bit where there needed to be that next guy that came up? Or do you think it's just that there's enough of a difference between a guy like Tyler Childers? I've had people ask me this and I've got my thoughts on it. Like with Ty, like, because you, there are a lot of kind of those, those similarities with the with the honest writing, that grittiness. The fan bases are very similar to of Childers and a guy like Zach Bryan. Yeah, I've never I've never been uh, a lot of people try to, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but a lot of people try to hold that against Zach. And I'm like, he put it right there on the first freaking song on the first album. He's like got that line it's like let's all gather around where we can all sing childers yeah <laughs> and like, i'm like that's, his, yeah. that's like the first thing out that's of his, his mouth yeah. he's not trying to deny that that is someone that he's inspired by and so i think that but i do also think that those guys are quite the the, the kind of earlier generation i would say isbel childers sturgill would be kind of the three the trifecta of that kind of the early rumblings of this kind of indie country revolution yeah would you put Turnpike in there too? Yes. As a band, yeah. Um, they kind of all, for whatever reason, are a bit almost like against their own spotlight. Um, they're not they're they're very anti-establishment for the most part. Um, or at least have always been very anti-establishment. Uh, but I, I do think they kind of like slowed down, they weren't ready to scale and Zach, I think, might be that one in a million person that just was more comfortable scaling. I've thought a lot about this recently, like wondering if it was maybe his time in the Navy that made him so prepared to take off like a rocket ship. Because most of the people in this kind of scene that we're discussing, that is more the independent scene, they tend to be shyer souls. They tend to not really um, trust their own success. They're a little bit sad boy and struggle with like self-worth and should I really be taking off this quickly? And if I am, and if the radio is playing me, am I now feeding the beast that I came here to fight? Like, I wonder if, uh, Zach is that unusual person where maybe because he was so used to having to have all of these delegated duties, uh, to all of these different people around him in the Navy, maybe he's like that one person that can actually really cope well with it and just say, yeah, I signed a deal. Now it's your job to do this and your job to do this. And he just kind of continues living because the vibe I get from his label and from the people around him are that they're chasing him always. Like they're letting him do whatever he wants and they're yeah. trying to play catch up. I mean, the name of the live record. My home. My. I'm sure they didn't want that. <laughs> no, but 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 look at what it what it did, and that that to me was just such a great sound. Like I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to go to a Zach Bryan show, and I know those are yeah. those. And you've you've how many have you been to now? I've just been to There's, two. Just been to two. So I know you did the one in South Carolina, Greenville, uh, Greenville no, Country th Fest. I've been to three then. <laughs> um, yeah, Greenville Fest and uh, Richmond, and I also saw him uh, in Franklin. Oh, so he was in town when we were in Greenville. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we. We played it at the Blind Horse Saloon in Greenville the same night as that festival. 
Well, we had a Trey Lewis show the same night. Was as it? That. Did it, did you still end up like selling yeah, we, a good number we of still, texts? We still ended up having like I think like six, seven hundred people in there. Okay, the, nice. The, the, South Kakalaki loves them. Loves them some Trey. It was a wild night. But um, they, so what was like the smallest room you saw Zach Bryan in? Oh, I also saw him at the station in. They did this like little secret show for. I think I remember that uh, because I remember I remember you and um you Meg, and Meg Maroney. Maroney. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah. Meg's a good friend of the program too. Oh, heck yeah, yeah. That's where I met her. We were like sitting, sitting right beside each other. Um, I, was, I remember I had like a I felt like such a dork because I had this book about uh, Machiavelli, this like <laughs> 16th century Italian philosopher. Yeah, it was oh like, yeah, it was like yeah. in my pocket, and I was like, oh, I'm sitting down next to Megan Maroney, whipping out my Machiavelli biography uh, while <laughs> we're Zach seeing Brian show at yeah. the Station Inn of all places. <laughs> I know, so that's the smallest room I've ever seen him in, and I'm sure we'll ever see him in. Yeah, because it's, it's... I think it's the smallest room he's ever played. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking... Well, I got to think, like, early, like, when he first got out and started posting videos, he had to have done some, like... No, he really? did, like, a couple shows. Because he was active till last year. Um, like... So it, all that shit, all those videos, like, heading south and all of that stuff was coming out when he was still... Yeah. So he was just posting that from, like, the barracks or wherever he was living? Yeah, or? where people could, like, film stuff. A lot of them are, like... He's just, like, sweaty on his back porch in a lot of them. And then I think... Uh, because I remember even when he made his Opry debut, they had to like get a letter of, I don't know what the technical term is, but they had to like ask, they had to petition the Navy essentially to let him have a leave in order to come play the Grand Ole Opry. Jeez. And I think they granted that. So yeah, I think all that, he really has not had the ability to even tour until this year. And, and has had probably one of the most successful tour, first years of touring in history. Yeah. It's insane, and it's crazy to see. It's really cool to see, like, country be at kind of the – like, there being guys and girls that are starting to become, in a way, like, bigger than country music in a way, using that term. Like, seeing Zach have that – have that hit that – well, like, I know he hit the Billboard Hot 100, like, number one today, I think, was when they announced that on Airplay, or it might have even been uh, Hot days. Country Songs. Hot Country Songs, that's what yeah. it was. But then to see what guys like, like Morgan are doing with the amount of selling – world tour stadium shit like we have multiple guys doing what garth was doing in the 80s and 90s like i think it's cool it just seems that there is a recognition right now that you don't actually have to play the sort of standard issue radio promotional method game yeah um, and i feel like there's been a lot of people saying that for so long for like a decade being like can we just like let artists be cool like and Bailey do Zimmer what they want? Like Bailey Zimmerman, prime example, mm -hmm. dude. Mm -hmm. And then I think you see a lot of people that sign a deal. They're buzzy. They're cool. They sign a deal. And there's innumerable examples of this over the years. And then the label's response is often like, let's wait. Let's find the right time to go to radio. Let's get the right songs. And these people get stuck in almost a, a mindset of they're getting A&R'd to death. And over two years, all of the spunk and the soul that made them who they are is squeezed out of them as they're trying to find the right single that's going to make them happen. And they start talking in this robotic way of saying, you know, I'm really looking for things with tempo right now. And you're like, you think tempo is going to be what any makes anyone fall in love with you? <laughs> yeah. No. You're like, what was that soul that you had? And, and it's so frustrating to watch those people have the passion squelched out of them. And so I think when you see, it's very inspiring to see someone like Zach, even someone like Bailey, I think like this is a slightly less organic rise. Yeah. Um, not that it's an inorganic rise. I'm just yeah. saying like Zach's is truly like out oh, of obscurity. 110%. Um, yeah. And, uh, 
but I, I think it's just really cool that it's almost like the labels are realizing even a little bit or they're starting to we don't know everything and instead of making all these artists we sign go back to the drawing board and figure out who they are and how we're going to market them maybe we can just add wind into the sails of something that's already happening yep so yeah yeah, yeah and it's and it's kind of cool now that artists can have an instagram account can have a tiktok account and if something blows up the labels can't just sit there and be like hey we got you on the shelf if you got a video that blows up and gets three, four million views, the label's gonna be like, okay, we got like the artists can kind of do it in a way them themselves with getting shit out there. They don't just have to totally. wait for whereas Which like, I think some artists don't like. Some artists think- some artists hate having to do it. Yeah. But some artists that really like doing it. I mean, do you think like an artist like like ten years ago that was like say a group like say like like the Swan Brothers, for example. Look, they got they got off they, yeah. just a rant, okay. no, I like it okay. no I like, like it I'm like oh that's a fun one yeah like Swan Brothers would you imagine they had they had social media to kind of help carry them past their first like they had the two hits they went on the tour with Carrie Underwood they went on like the Blake Shelton tour but they never got to like that that next step and then they there's just that over time like you said just that kind of like fizzle like do you like imagine an act like 10-15 years ago had that ability to kind of have it in their own hands control their own destiny yeah I think you I, I it would be cool if they did because I think a lot of – I think honestly it's probably really hard for a lot of these people who have been used to being marketed to the idea that the ball's in my court and I have to market myself now. For some of them, and you can generally tell who it is, there's people that seem a little bit distant in their own social media. And when they post, it's always like, stay tuned. I have an announcement in two days. And then they're like, I'm going to go play the Today Show concert series. And you're like, well, who cares? Yeah. You know what that's not going to do? anything it's not gonna sell um, tickets and then not you even look on do. itunes and you're like being playing the today show that doesn't do anything but get you from like number 100 on itunes to number 78 yeah um and you know the amount of money they spend and so these are these traditional marketing techniques that i think some artists have almost been trained to think that this is what works and this is what it is to be a star yeah um and in reality you could spend literally one percent of that money to just set up your phone with a ring light and do something kind of funny on tiktok and it will move the needle more and that's sort of i think almost something that a few of them don't accept um as being a reality and and prefer to play dress up as a star yeah but there's some artists that i think are like the older school that are doing well are are doing a good job totally i'm trying to convince brad paisley's team to be like you should be pushing tiktok you're the he's the most naturally funny person i've ever interviewed that was and again going back to the advent calendar because i did enjoy a lot of those moments i remember watching (laughs) because i I had a country i had a country radio show in college that's kind of how i got started doing this whole thing and i would watch all the award shows and like kind of like pay attention to the scene of that right from like 2013 to 2017 is when i really started getting into it so i remember I remember Brad and Carrie hosting the hosting the award shows, and they were fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, and Brad is such, like you have such a personality within him. Like, why not showcase? He could that do a that. He bit? could even be like the king of guitar talk if he doesn't <laughs> even want to be funny. I'm like, he's just an unbelievable. Not many people are pickers like that anymore, no. and so he could run that scene because that's a whole big click of TikTok as I mean, well. He had one of the greatest country music videos of all time with so much cooler online with <laughs> Taylor Swift and Kelly Pickler dancing and George Costanza, Jason. Um, Maybe that's Jason my angle Alexander. to get them to do it, to be like, look, you're making a mockery of this song by not being cooler online <laughs> Yeah, uh, because Dude. you're currently not cool online. If you're not running TikTok, there it is. There it is. That's a, that's a, that's a clip right there. Matt Coy. Mark that right there. That's a fucking clip boy. <laughs> 
but um, hell yeah, yeah. Hey, that, we like you're cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about artists doing it kind of their own way. I mean, we we both we um we're hanging out at the uh, Muscadine show here yeah. a couple weeks ago. Um, and they're guys that you've been talking about for a long time. They're guys that are obviously very very close very close to me. Without them, I wouldn't be out touring and doing what I do. Um, what's it? Been like watching them kind of come up too because you've watched them from yeah the they've, they've, Angel days they've to, been to my house in Virginia even yeah. and done like a <laughs> janky little interview with me there. Um, no, it's been super cool watching Muscadine take off because uh, and take off on their own terms completely. <laughs> Literally, some people that depending on your definition of what success is would say that they haven't happened yet, and I think that's ludicrous because. Um, Look, yeah, they don't have a big radio single, but they like own everything that they, they do. I don't think they, they want the radio single. They'd rather sell out clubs and theaters and own everything and have the mo- one of the most passionate fan bases in country music. If you could have all of it, I'm sure that would be the ideal. <laughs> well, have all of it, but I'm saying like you have you have the like they sell out those VIP packages. Bro, hundreds of people totally. every week. So I I love it. I yeah. think they're I think they're insanely successful. I uh I think I've just been talking to too many people in the A&R world lately uh, that are, you know, super data nerds and yeah. are like, oh, but are they, do they have any number ones? Do they do this? Da, 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 da. And, and I'm like, no, not necessarily your metrics of what success are, which often have to do with the radio, but in like the real world of moving tickets, of gaining fans, of having people listen to the words that you're saying, they they pass with flying colors yeah. and uh, and their live show is awesome and they're funny. I, I just think they're doing everything right. And um, it's funny because it, I think it took them a while to figure themselves out. It like was, it was, co- I think it was COVID. I think it was during, during COVID mm-hmm. and having that time to go home to the family in Alabama and Mississippi, go out in the woods, spend time not touring and really having that time to reflect. Cause remember their sound just, changed from that totally burn it at both from what it was like the, all those eps to burn it at both ends to dispatch to what's coming on this this um teenage dixie record like their whole styles just also evolved. knowing them for a, we've known them for a while like i've known them since the cover days they've always been able to pull like move tickets like yes yeah. they started um they started a long time ago with um like opening for luke combs and riley and like all these theater shows and just like ever since then they've it's been a slow build but now they're like right there like yeah. they can they can move these tickets in like two to three thousand cap rooms and easily yeah like super easy i think like and then like they've known all the people like laney wilson and um who else have they had on here lately like Jordan like, Fletcher. Like, yeah, Jordan, well, Jordan Fletcher, Fletcher was well. Jordan Fletcher was their damn was their damn merch guy. Yeah, which to yeah. me is what I love as a as a former Muscadine merch guy. We're in that Muscadine <laughs> merch guy fraternity, um, which which I which I love. But yeah, like this, that. What's cool too is like seeing how their their class of the the guys and girls that were moving to town around the same time as them. Like that 2016 of Combs, Riley, Ray Fulcher, Laney Wilson, um, Gary and Charlie. I mean, even Wallen and Hardy and all those guys were coming to town around that same time. Like to see where all those guys are at the development of the last six seven years i think what's cool about them too is they that this is where i really relate to them just interpersonally is i I think the same way that i kind of went into the belly of the beast and like worked in media and learned a lot but also learned what i didn't want to be i feel like they kind of when they moved to town 
and they don't speak ill of it at all, but they, they like were doing stuff with creative nation and working yep. with Luke Laird. And they really learned like the machinations of the industry and what it is to be a big hit songwriter. And I think kind of realized as much as they had to learn, they also learned that's not necessarily the path that we want to take. Yeah. And so they're, they're very savvy in, in kind of pivoting. And I think also seeing, man, this honky tonk sound is kind of cooler than like when I, when people told me about Muscadine at first, frankly, I liked it. This was like early days, but I was like, okay, it's like 20% better than like most country music. And now I'm like, oh, it's like 150% better yeah. than a lot of. They sort were of like the, a countryer Dan and Shay with the harmonies. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of where I think it started. And now yeah. it's just so many miles away from that and more adventurous. And anyway, I just, I think they kind of. I agree with you. They learned really who they are, what they're about, and then went for it with full ownership of yep. it. And they self-produced themselves. Like they work with with Ryan Yeomans. And I don't know if you know this. You familiar with Tyler Halverson? Is he cruster? Is he literally cruster as of this weekend? Really? I just heard a song. Well, it's funny because I remember. I don't know if he sent it to me or someone else did, but a long time ago, I heard some song called Beer Garden Baby, and yep. I was like, I like that song. But that's literally in one ear out the other. I just forgot about it. Yeah. And then this weekend, I heard whatever his duet is with Kylie. Your bar now. Yeah, and Taking I really my ass back to Midtown, and I really liked it. <laughs> yep. And. uh so I guess as of three days ago, I'm into Tyler Halverson. Yeah. So Tyler's been one of my one of our good buddies for a while, and he's like in that that crew of the the young I call me Nikki Tequan the, the young Americana kids in a way. And Tyler's more Western because he's from South Dakota. Has been out in Texas for a while, but it's like Tyler Halverson, Ben Chapman, Meg McCree, Vinnie Paolizzi, Nate Frederick, Job Fortner, like that crew of of guys and girls and Tyler's stuff is produced by Ryan Yeomans who produces, um, who produces Muscadine and Gary for Muscadine. Like Gary is a co-producer yeah. of Ty which is really cool that there's just that. And then they're bringing out guys like Ben Chapman on the road. And mm -hmm. like, they're kind of seeing the kids that remind them of, of them and doing it the way they want to do it. Not doing it, not being like being super authentic and they're kind of, investing in those kids in a way totally which is really cool to see as well yeah it's it's been interesting I, just I, like bj barham invested in them like uh -huh. american aquarium they them in american aquarium bj super tight bj's a cool dude too i've never actually gotten to meet him and really? I, I probably said 25 <laughs> times on my channel that he's like well i think one of the best living songwriters and you and him together having a conversation would be insane because he's very in, he's very opinionated intellectual as well he's he, I want to see a Grady. I, I want to see a, a Grady Smith but, uh, American Aquarium interview. Yeah, we see the world quite differently, in, which is why I want to see it. Yeah, but then we also <laughs> see something like we both have. A, I think we're both quite anti-establishment, but it manifests like sort of differently <laughs> on a lot of subjects. So yeah. I think I'd I'd love it. I mean, I love his writing and his music so much. Yeah. So, who are some of your favorite? Um, oh, um, what's been the biggest thing about living in Nashville that's like surprised you? Aside from what you were talking about earlier with kind of being like, what's it going to be like to be in the mouth of the beast saying the shit that I say, being honest? Well, I can't believe how much I like it, and I can't believe how down-to-earth people are here. I am just used to people feeling way more like a storm cloud all the time. I think I came here from a college town, and you aren't really supposed to feel like that proud of yourself or that like happy all the time. That's not the currency in Charlottesville, Virginia. No. So I remember even when my, my like first, uh, when my Snapchat video went viral, 
all my friends truly meaning it. And this is what it is to be a good friend in Charlottesville. And this is kind of how I am. They were like, do you feel like this is going to be good for you? Like you've talked about like kind of wrestling with pride before. Do you feel like having like a viral video is going to make that like worse or better? And in Nashville, they're just like, dude, let me buy you a drink. That's awesome. You hit a million views. Congrats. And (laughs) it's kind of been weird. I'm like, wait, that feels so nice that people just sort of think a little bit more simply and down to earth here and just tell you to be happy about succeeding. I didn't really trust it for the first few months. And every single person I met was like, you know, you're like successful and people like you. And I'm like, that's not true. Um, And they've really had to convince me that it is and that I maybe have some self-doubt issues. And so I, I think just the positivity of this place has really thrown me for a loop. And it's almost made me, I don't know, it's just softened me a bit where I'm like, <laughs> it's a nice feeling for people yeah. to be nice to you and yeah. for people to encourage you. Um, and then like, I, I'm probably never going to be so much that way. I'm a bit moody, uh, and darker, uh, but people find that refreshing here. They're like, Oh dude, you see the world so differently. So it's kind of a win-win. It's like, I'm feeding off their positivity and they're feeding off my negativity. And <laughs> it's yang, honestly yeah. refreshing. Like it, this is the most down to earth city I've ever lived in. Yeah. I mean, i I came from, the, from, so I'm from Rockland County, which is like 30 miles outside the city. So like where the Tappan Zee Bridge is at, Nyack, mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. section. So to come, obviously, New York, very hard nose, go to college in Jersey, work in Jersey for a while, live in Jersey for a little bit, and then come down here. And it was like a weird kind of thing for me too, coming from the Northeast to down here. It's What was so different? Well, my first year in town, I bounced on Broadway. Like I moved down here on a Thursday. I was... I moved down here the Thursday before of Halloween weekend. The next night I was out with some buddies and then I was work. They, they handed me a, a security shirt and a walkie talkie at Dirk Bentley's whiskey row. And I was a bouncer <laughs> for a year. I'd never bounced a day in my life. I'd been into some shit when I used to drink, but I'd never like bounced. And so I was, I saw like the worst side of the tourism of Nashville for about a year. Interesting. I worked the front door and would catch fake IDs and deal with the, the, the homeless problem that we have here and deal with, drunk idiots from concerts and games and this and that but i also got to meet a lot of musicians and i got to meet a lot of the guys and girls that were busting their asses on broadway and meet the sound guys that are now production managers like tyler lassar boudreau as we used to call him he used to do the podcast with me and he was a sound guy at whiskey row he got hired to do the muscadine gig and that's how he ended up on the muscadine gig so broadway was like it was Broadway was was definitely like I wasn't able to go to go to Whiskey Jam because I was working downtown on yeah, Monday night. Yeah. I wasn't able to like be fully in the community because I was downtown so much. But then once I got into that community, like you said, I was like, damn, this is people are really welcoming. Other guys and girls that do rounds are like, dude, we love what you're doing. We love what you're doing for the community. Whereas they're they're hosting like me and Rob Snyder are good buddies. He used to have Revival down at Tin Roof. Same night I'd have my stuff at Live Oak. You would think we'd be like rivals or competitors. But we would book it to where we would look at it like, hey, if you're going to be busy at your bar, there's going to be overflow to this bar and vice versa. Like it's just everybody wants the community to succeed, you know, like Ward even, for example, like Ward Gunther, I call him the godfather. Totally. I he's, call him the mayor. He's, he's, if he ran for mayor, we joke that Ryan Nelson should run for mayor, but if, if, if Ward, Ward legitimately, like he, the, the city of Nashville would not be the same without him, especially what we do in music. Um, but like he's a guy that's looked like, that I look up to and it's welcomed with open arms. Like you said, the community factor here is just unlike other cities. Like yeah. New, York, New York City doesn't have that. 
another institute. It might, it might in like hipster, hipster around NYU or like in the <laughs> village or you're hanging out Williamsburg. There's obviously some, some communities there, but like, it's just a different kind of feel. Like I didn't expect But I it. honestly feel like my New York experience is more aligned, like ideologically with Nashville than Really? You know, How so? I think that the worst place on earth is Washington D.C. Okay. Um, okay. So the yeah. closer that you get, boy. yeah, you have to hate Washington D.C. <laughs> if you're from Virginia. Um, it's like an important rite of passage, and everything everyone says is true. Uh, it's like all networking. What's worse, D.C. or Baltimore? D.C. I got told Baltimore. When I, at least Baltimore will, you know look you in the eyes while ruining your life in dc they'll just like create a narrative uh that all of the proper people will quietly believe and just ice out anyone that they don't like uh it's the worst place ever everything the way that politics just like infects the the ways that interpersonal relationships kind of play out i really think you have a lot of poverty for for the capital city of the country there's some rough areas of dc okay so i once heard a talk and they boiled every city down to a central value it was so interesting so they're like what does each city value the most and like they're like some of these are easy la fame uh miami sex yes and uh new york they said the central value was like hustle and in D.C., they said the central value was influence. Um, and I think that that it's like a very insidious one that I think shapes a lot of like northern Virginia thinking and philosophy. It's yeah. a very kind of sly. I don't know. I, like I'm Arlington, like, Fairfax, like those areas are the people in those areas. Like you go to the pool club in Fairfax, Virginia, you're going to meet some folks. That totally. Are, and yeah. I'm not saying that's not exactly the world I'm from. No. Um, but because yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, but I uh, – I, I'm just glad to be done with it. So I'm, yeah. I'm in my like weird, like, uh, realizing I'm slightly bitter towards Virginia phase of my life now. <laughs> do you, do you, you don't go back and appreciate it at all? Cause like I hated, no. I hated New York city growing up. I used to ask my, I used to say to my mom and my dad, I wish the city could float away, leave Yankee stadium, Madison square garden, but like float away just cause again, traffic, like, the traffic, the chaos, the crime, the, this, the, that, then I moved away. And now when I go back, it's like, I have to go up and see my brother in Brooklyn at least once. Like, while on a trip home. Like, I have to go into the city at least once or twice. Like, you don't have any of those feelings towards no. D.C.? Uh, no. <laughs> like, literally, no. I don't. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, and I'm, I'm from, like, a little bit further south than that. Yeah, but like, you are, yeah. Wait, what's the central, does, what's the central value, value of uh, wherever you're from in New Jersey? If <laughs> you had to boil it down. Ooh, so where I'm from is the new, so it's like, Pizza, pizza, <laughs> but the, so pizza family. So, I'm trying to think so, of Jersey so, Shore words. So, right, tanning. So, so yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> vodka. Um, but um, we, uh, where I was from, it's like so. You know where Westchester is? Yeah, Westchester. I'm just across the river from that. So I'm okay. like, I'm on the new, I'm on the Jersey side of the Hudson River, like in New York. So like, take the Garden State Parkway. I'm like the second exit over the border. Okay. Like where the Palisades Mall's at, if you know where that is. Uh, yeah, I had a car when I lived in New York. Okay, so you've been to the Palisades so Mall. So. I was, me and my friends would always go on field trips over to the Palisades. Yes, so the Palisades, so. Like, and eat at Cracker Barrel. I don't know why that was our routine. We would go to the Palisades and then go eat at Cracker Barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cracker Barrel was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I was from there, so it's like a well-off New York City suburb. Yeah. With like, maybe like one not so great area, but it's, it's all the folks that work in New York city, but want to have families not in New York city. 
Okay. So it's that lot of lot of bar and bot mitzvahs, a lot of like well off to do, like that kind of area. So it's like we were actually top ten when the, remember when that Ashley Madison list came out? Wow. We yeah. were a top ten population for Ashley Madison users and like my home county. It's Rockland County is the name of the area. Why why like because of the proximity to New York? Do you think I people think... were coming from New York to uh go to Ashley or to like I, I guess none of those things actually resulted in very real affairs because the vast majority no. of them were just like chat relationships. Yeah, but. it was just fucked up stuff. But I think it's a lot to do with this, the culture of like guys that are NYPD detectives, people that are nurses, ah. people that are look, people that work on Wall Street, people that are working late hours in the city. You know, it's that, it's that culture, that kind of that um, that like what's the word for it? That um, risque, like just that New York. Uh huh. Kind of, kind like of like CD. Yeah. Well, like the Sopranos. Like the they filmed the, <laughs> they filmed a lot of the Sopranos like in my hometown. Interesting. So like a lot of that kind of thing. So I guess the value. I mean, would say maybe maybe well, but there's that grind too. Like all I my know. buddies grind, but we have like a lot of the union stuff. Like, you know, in the state of New Jersey, you know, the number one employers. I think I think this is the stat. The state of New Jersey. It's the state of New Jersey. Okay. Because each town has like the town government. They have these things called freeholders. And there's like 15 of them in each town. So every town in New Jersey right off the bat has all those. There's just so much like weird shit. that The way New Jersey's structured is just fucked. Yeah. Every governor has been corrupt. And, and having now sides. like, you know, <laughs> spent my time in that part of the country – it is pretty – I feel bad for your state and how bad of a name the turnpike gives it uh, because <laughs> it is like a pretty shockingly bad turnpike. And then the rest of the states actually – I'm like, oh, it's pretty – I see why it's called the Garden State. Yes. It's like – Oh, South Jersey's beautiful. You have the mountains of where the, where the AT runs through western New Jersey. It's the lowest part of the AT, but it's still the AT. Um, and then you've got like the shore, but there's that armpit of like Newark. Yeah. Secaucus. And everyone's got to drive through it to go to New York. <laughs> the, the oranges are just like the worst, you know? It's just some like wild um, – just some like uh, – some wild uh, – Wild stuff. Hey, Mac Wayne, I think somebody's at the door, bud. If you want to go do that, we'll just keep we'll just keep rolling. If you want to go answer that, um, but um, but yeah, it's just uh, it is a wild place because you do have a little bit of everything. So so Nashville's been like your favorite place to to live. Where's your um, what's your um, that's water damage from pipes and stuff in the apartment complex. That's what's going on out there. <laughs> um, but. Um, how do you see yourself being in Nashville for a while? You think? Yeah, I do. This feels like home. I I don't know that it feels like home yet, but it's it's definitely brought like a totally new energy into my life, and that's been very welcome. So, I have no plan to move somewhere else. I mean, my kind of contingency plan was if I really hate Nashville, I'm just going to go to Florida, um, and <laughs> I like Florida. Florida's and great. We love I, uh, we love Florida. <laughs> nice. Have, um, you, have you done? Uh, have you had the Broadway experience yet? You've gone out on Broadway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I uh, thought you meant like the Florida Broadway experience. Oh, no, and I was no, like, no, I don't no. know what you mean by that. I don't know either. Well, um, well have you been to the Floribama? No. I That's to me. I, is maybe the, I've been near there. I went me, out to... It's Perdido Key, like down near Pensacola and Orange Beach. So I got as far as Grayton Beach. Okay. Um, I, I did drive. I, I spent like three weeks last summer down in Orlando was my home base because... Basically, my family had this timeshare that <laughs> time family time. I know about that. Family like we weren't shares. using it. It was in South Carolina, but then, you know, 
we, we the only way to get rid of it was the essentially swap it and the only person in the family that even could go on a vacation uh, was me and so i was like well i'll use it if no one else is using it it was weird but i i had to get three weeks in orlando and uh I made that my home base, and I kind of went around Florida from there. So I went out toward, like, Apalachicola. That place was cool. Then I went all the way kind of out into the Panhandle. The um, Redneck Riviera is what they call that. I you liked s- it. That was by far yeah. my favorite oh, I, area. I, I enjoy it, but you got to go to the Floribama one weekend and just check it out. Hey, we'll do the Floribama one weekend, and then, let's hey, let's put them on the bus and take them to Tifton and oh, Lakeland oh, to geez. Wild Greg. Oh, we bug you to Wild, wild Greg. Well, we'll talk about Wild Greg off the mic. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's wild. He's... He's um he's a and he's a character, but um but Floribama's great because it's got it's like Riley Green wouldn't be Riley Green without the Floribama. Like to me, that's where all Muscadine too. Like they actually used to go down there as Charlie and Gary before they were Muscadine. Trey and the guys used to play down there. Like every act that's every act that's coming, like you feel like you're in a Kenny Chesney song, like you're in Summertime by mm-hmm. Kenny Chesney, all times of the year. And they have like seven stages within the building. I think it's like six or seven, maybe like five, but they've got quite a few stages within the building and it's just live music and just people on vacation having See, a See, that would be interesting because when I went to Grayton, uh, I hung out a little bit with Brian Kelly down there and his like all the people on that beach it was not the kind of like young sexy side of spring break florida that i kind of imagined having not ever spent time there it was like a lot of older very kind like just like old leathery like nice retirees that that, like dark clay that like dark color red of tan that almost looks like magenta yeah like (laughs) tacovas like like they are boots it's like human hide um but the uh (laughs) those people were literally as soon as i stepped on that beach some dude came up to me and literally goes, yippee-ki-yay, brother. I was like, I don't think you've been here before. And I was like, who is this man with a Pukashan necklace? He's like, you ever ridden a YOLO board? And I'm like, did Brian pay off this person to to do like a guerrilla uh, individual marketing campaign about his Beach Cowboy album? Because this sounds exactly like what the album says. Yeah. And that guy told me to go ride his paddle board because I'd never been to this beach before. I don't know how he knew it. But did, you, did you ride it? I did. Uh, but right before I wrote it, some other old person, this lady, came up to me and just goes, sweetheart, the mother in me needs to put sunscreen on you. And she lathered me down. So within like w- within like one minute, I was like, you know, this is odd. This man's – this stranger is telling me to ride his paddleboard as this woman like goops me up. And um, I'm feeling really welcome. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's what my, i don't remember i guess that was from my childhood someone said goop so my family says that for sunscreen but, but, but was it like was it like the so it wasn't even the spray on one was it like the old school like Definitely. banana boat like squirt out i'm gonna rub you down boy kind yes of thing? yeah it came from one of them little souvenirs like, which i was okay here's a, this is a you know a random fact about me my favorite scent on earth well i have two but one of the two is sunscreen specifically really? hawaiian tropic sunscreen i think it's like the best smell in the world it's just is it just the nostalgia of it where it makes you feel like a kid going to the pool I think the it beach? smells good <laughs> i just <laughs> like it i'm like wow it's like kind of like coconutty pineapple like it's it's yummy would you buy it in a candle okay so here's the thing my mother is a candle collector oh shit like, okay i'm not kidding you when i say probably at my parents house they're probably like 1500 to 2000 like unburnt 
like big jar candles in, and they are burning at all times in, in, in like every room in where, where are these candles stored? Where do you store 1,500, 2,000 It's like candles? a cancer that is just like spreading <laughs> through the home, like into every, like, like literally when I went up to my little, my bedroom at home, I was just home for Christmas. It was basically like an attic now. There's just like, there's a narrow pathway to the bed, but otherwise it's just filled with like random boxes and, and stuff that they're oh, I was storing. Th- I, was, I thought you were going to say like candles. It was just uh, No, but in my closet now. <laughs> The top like three shelves in my closet are have all been claimed by candles. Um, so I actually love. Uh, I, I grew up with a probably overdeveloped uh, sense of smell. What's your least favorite candle? There's got to there's got to be one. There's that's one like, that I really hate. There's got to be one that you really uh, fucking hate. I, I really don't like. There's this one called blueberry maple pancakes, and I don't like berry scents in general. I find them very cloying, and they kind of give me a headache. Yeah. Um. But. No, it's definitely if anyone ever comes to my house, I always say, you know, if you want to get in good with my mom, just take a stab at whatever you smell when you walk in. Like, you don't have to get it right, but just try. And they'll be like, hmm, it smells like strawberries in here. And mom will be like, it's actually winter candy wreath um, or something <laughs> like that. And uh, and then she'll like talk all about it. And she really opens up and she loves it. And yeah, so. During during COVID, I worked as like I called it a a candle elf. I was seasonal help at a candle factory no here way. in Nashville. What kind? Like soy, they're called beeswax, ran- paraffin. They're called range. It's a company called Ranger Station. So it's like all organic. I wasn't making the wax. I was. They didn't trust me with making the wax. I I made the boxes. Okay. <laughs> put the matches inside the boxes. But they're cool. They're like these like organic candles, and the scents were like it was like. Um, what was it? It was something like I don't know if myrrh is a scent, but mm-hmm. it was like that. It was like myrrh. It was like so. These are like, like kind of like hipster, nice, are, understated. They had one that was called New York City, and I was okay. like, "Oh, this is gonna smell horrible," and it smelled delightful. Yeah, yeah like Chinatown in the summer. <laughs> like, um, I, like it smells smells like the inside of that um, that twenty dollar Gucci bag you bought yeah. on Canal Street. Anyone making a scent based on New York City is is definitely just thinking of like the yeah, idea was, of like the, being on the rooftop uh, of the yeah. standard. Or New York City, LA, Chicago. They were good. They were good people. Like the candles, the candle thing. But I did get experience, like watching them put the wax in the in the and the the candles were in these like glasses that could be reused as okay. whiskey glasses. Yeah, which was kind of cool too. If I could make any candle, here's the scent that I've never found and would love. Like my favorite smell. I said that other one was my second favorite. My favorite smell is just like generic mall scent. Um, like the smell of. Uh, like super conditioned mall air with like laced with Calvin Klein perfume and Auntie Anne's butter. Hollister. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of that. That well, midpoint. Hey, we can do that. It will Some call wafting it Cinnabon. Um, the Cinnabon. The Cinnabon <laughs> smell. Wetzel's pretzels. Yeah. Hey, let's that. do that and let's call it Snapchat. <laughs> let's call it Snapchat. <laughs> Anyway, that's like uh, I I that's maybe why I was going to the Palisades. I just needed to get a whiff. Yeah, dude, that mall is not what it used to be either. That mall back in, when you were there, that mall was still pretty solid. It was when it was built. You know that mall is built on a sinkhole. It's built <laughs> no. on it's built on landfill. It sinks. You stand on the top floor during the like holiday season, and you can feel it shake. 
Yikes. Yeah, well, it was a horrible idea to build. They built it in 1998. Remember my grandpa said he was on the committee to not for them not to build it because eventually it's going to sink. And it has <laughs> sunk like feet since then. And he's just like, see, I told you. It's not, not good to have there. But mall, I do. But the mall, the mall thing is I grew up. It's funny because I, I didn't know you would go to the Palisades Mall. I've gone to every mall in this area already. A lot of times I listen to albums in malls. I like just, you just Google. just put the AirPods in and just. Yep. Walk Walmart around. and malls is like where I, it's just nice to sometimes be moving. And if it's like raining or if it's cold, um, what's your favorite mall here? Rivergate Rivergate. I dislike green Hills a lot. Green Hills is very pretentious. In my I opinion. had a bad experience at green Hills that I think colored my whole interaction where I was trying to, there was a woman in a scooter passed out outside of Dillard's. <laughs> I was just walking through the mall, minding my business, listening to a podcast or something. And there's this woman fully, passed out or asleep i don't know but it's concerning of dillard's of all and places. i was like ma'am ma'am and i try to wake her and uh she doesn't wake up and then some other lady is like is she okay and i was like i don't know um and so she's like well i'm gonna try you go and get someone so i go into dillard's like a makeup counter and i'm like ma'am there's someone out here that i think i don't know if you have a number for security or something but uh, i think she might need some attention and so then i come back out and the lady comes with me and she calls security these two women, they were like, I don't know. They were like very peroxide blonde, had like Lululemon on, and were each pushing a stroller. Uh, and they just start like y- yelling at me. They're like, she needs help. And I was like, I know. I'm here doing that. And they're like, well, we have our children, so we can't do anything right now, but you need to help her. And I was like, what? I am helping her. They're like, have you gotten anyone to come get her? And I was like, yes, I've been here for like five minutes. Um, and, and they're like, well, we can't do anything right now because we have our kids. And it was like a weird like, chill out, power flex. Yeah. I know. And I was like, uh, I was like, are, is this how you walk around life? Just yelling at people to do what you, and um, let's go to the mall, push our kids around, yell at people. But I was like, is this the green Hills clientele? That happened my first time at green Hills. And I vowed to like never support it. And I became a Rivergate boy, uh, which right. is way trashier. There's yes. still like a Spencer's and like oh, uh, yeah. it really fe- there's like journeys there's a lids yep it, it feels like what a mall should feel yeah, like that's and what i've been to opry mills it's it's cool it's like a i feel like that's a novelty mall yeah it's a mini mall it's in mini. my opinion like mini, mini yeah. i feel like it's small you think again, opry mills is small again, palisades is my home mall Opry Mills is not small. <laughs> I think it. I think it's. Oh, again, I grew <laughs> no. up going to the Palisades where it's five. You can floors. walk. I put in. I put in all ten thousand steps for a day before inside of Opry Mills. Really? I, like, I got lost in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a point eight mile loop. Really? Yeah. Doesn't. Well, I guess if is uh, that, look, we're gonna go to. Let's go to Cheesecake Factory soon. Oh, and, I'm down. Have you have you ever been to Cheesecake Factory, McElwain? I've been, but not there. And also, I want to hit that restaurant at the Bass Pro there, too. There's a okay. restaurant? Okay. Yeah. yeah it's a, they, well, they, you get the alligator bites. We've had them before, but you get those. Like, we'll do that, too. Matt's from Selma, Alabama. He's gotten a lot of culture since moving up here to Nashville. His, he's, he's, in, he's gotten to experience chilies for the first time. Uncle Bud's, baby. Uncle, yeah, yeah. Have you been to Uncle Bud's here no, in Nashville? I don't know what that is. Do you, do you like fried food or not really? Not uh, particularly. 2023 Grady does not. Okay, well, 20, um, 2023, Matt Burrell has not had a cigarette yet, which has been great. No way. I'm Congrats. Th- I'm three weeks off the cigs, which is wow. huge. I think going home to New York and seeing that they were $15 a pack definitely helped me not smoke when I was home because it's like $6 a pack here, but 15 in New York. But Are you? People often say you have to replace 
<laughs> like something like a habit. So, so I replaced alcoholism with cigarettes okay. like six years ago. So I'm just saying like, have you taken on, have you been doing, have you compulsively been playing Minesweeper or something? To, oh, that would be a good one. <laughs> to, I wonder if they have that for the phone. I used to play that shit like I, third JK grade. Rowling, I remember reading an interview of hers long ago where they talked about like, what's your biggest vice? And she talked about quitting smoking and getting obsessed with Minesweeper. Really? That's why that came to mind. I've heard Hank She's Jean- like the biggest delay in the Harry Potter books was me playing Minesweeper. <laughs> Whoa. I did not know that. Anyway. Um, yeah, I have not, I haven't, I mean, I've definitely been eating a little bit more, which isn't good, but I feel like the not nicotine stuff, but I'm still, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, uh, an ADHD medication too. So that like Adderall type of stuff, not Adderall, it's called Concerta, but that kind of like helps. I guess that helps a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what's, uh, what, I mean, I still have my nicotine. Like I'm my little, I used to call this my truck cigarette or my bus cigarette because I couldn't smoke when I was on the tour bus. So like this is just a little vape, but I haven't, I mean, I was two packs a day, bro. Damn. I was like two, I was, I was sounding like, what are they selling? They're selling chocolates. Like I was selling like, selling like the chocolate lady from SpongeBob. That's what I was <laughs> sounding like and trying to host rounds and do podcasts and do like, my personality stuff and having to talk to people at the venues on the road. Like my voice is my moneymaker. That's what I, what mm-hmm. I do. And it's like, if you're 20, 27 sounding like you're 62, it's yeah. not going to be good. You know I mean? Yeah. It's like, you're, there's it works for some guys like Brantley Gilbert's got that heavy voice, you know, like yeah. he's, he's got that deep, but he's a, he's been two, three packs for years, yeah. you know, take smoke breaks during the show. I've never, You've never been a cigarette guy? You've been a cigar guy? I smoke internationally. Um, I like cigarettes in another country. I think there's something very romantic you like the, about You it. like the hand-rolled cigarette? You like the quick, I'm like... I'm fine with just a pack, um, but I I enjoy just the idea of... I don't even really enjoy it. I just kind of like puffing on it. You like puffing on it? standing on like a cobbled street and smoking a cigarette. You like being in like London or like Germany? I'm about to go to London. Oh, uh, you're going to smoke so many cigs? So many. <laughs> If I can get through one pack, if I can, get, I mean, I yeah, I'll probably get through like half a pack and then gotta, just throw the others away. So what you gotta? So do you have a New Year's resolution for this year? Uh, not a resolution. Or some per goal. Se. What are some? What I are do some have some goals. goals. What are some goals for you, the channel? Like just what you've got going on. What are some twenty twenty three goals for you? Your first full year in Nashville. Yeah, I think uh, like everyone else, I want to you know get fit. But fortunately, I've started that process. You know, not just a couple days ago, but like a month and a half or so ago, kind of started doing some personal training. And, Good. Um, yeah, I've been seeing those videos of you just uh, brutal putting in the grind. Trying to. And um, it always makes me... So for me, here, this is going to answer your question. It's going to seem like it's not answering your question, but it will. I was talking to an executive the other day, and he said something. He was like, dude, the hardest part of anything, just getting started... Uh, it's, it's like, once you have that momentum, so easy to succeed. That's what I tell all my artists. And I said, I literally like nothing you've ever said. I have related to less. Um, (laughs) I find starting so easy. I love starting. I love a new project even throughout my career. And this isn't meant to sound douchey. Like I've just found it kind of easy to have a viral video or make something that a ton of people see or like I I may painted something and made it into a puzzle and that sold like incredibly well. (laughs) Um, And that stuff's cool. But for me, momentum is so much harder. I'm a bit sabotage driven. Um, I don't trust when I'm doing well at all. I kind of like going off the rails. Um, I don't feel good about myself ever. And I am coming off what is easily my most successful period of life I've ever had in the last two months. And Every part of me 
wants to destroy it. Just, um, just take the wheel, just go rare. Hundred percent. That's like at my truest internal self. That's all I want to do. Um, and I, I know logically that that does not bring me anything good. I've learned that enough times in life. And and then you step back and you're like, man, what? Everything was going so well. Why am I now like? depressed and fat and lonely and angry and like feeling like I'm not living up to my potential, all of those things. Uh, and I, and I think like I'm trying to break that cycle really hard. So my word for the year is, is forward. Um, I'm trying to not dwell on anything in the past, just trying to keep it moving, keep going forward. And so part of what I'm doing is like literally learning to one of my big goals is to actually communicate with the people that I, work with because yeah. now I'm like working with an editor for the first time in the last couple months. Like I've never had anyone edit my videos till like three months ago. And sometimes I just ghost that guy for like two weeks and don't tell him anything <laughs> um, because I'm like, who is he to be editing for me? I'm probably ruining his life. I don't want to mess up his life and make him edit. I'm not good at being a boss, but I'm trying to remember that's not good to do. Actually, it helps you and it helps him when you have more work to do. Yeah. So respond um, and communicate. Same with like this producer I'm trying to work with. Uh, I want to really scale. I came here to learn to work with others. Um, I don't want to turn 40, 50 years old and be making videos in my bedroom and just reacting to what's going on out in like the country music news of the week. That's depressing to me. Um, so how do I build something bigger, smarter, that actually involves me with other people, put some natural accountability into my life? And so I think I have a few of these, you know, I won't name anything here, but just like a few of these leads kind of, and positive, there's things that have some momentum to them and relationships I've formed here. Let's actually do it. Yeah. Let's stop living in theory and actually build the damn thing um, or at least try. And if I fall on my face, well, that'll be way more fun than like, I don't know, like depressively scrolling TikTok for two hours at the end of a day where you did nothing. Yeah. Um, Amen. So, Amen, bro. Amen. So, so that's kind of forward, forward 2023, the year, the year of going, even forward. just like I said, no, I think like the first time you or Trey or someone reached out and was like, do you want to talk? I was like, no. Uh, and even just this time saying, you know, what's the big deal? Just go say yes, try new things, yeah. do things, meet people, come on a show. Yeah. It's, uh, it's for whatever reason, quite hard for me. So, yeah, well, dude, I appreciate you coming on and it, it means a lot to, I know you're busy and got a lot of shit going on. So it means a lot to have you come hang out here. And it's been, been a blast having you here in town and getting <laughs> to get to hang out at whiskey gym and occasional red door, having you pop by the round at live. I love Oak the red and, door. Dude, I love red door is we've, I, so I had to bail out of Red Door last night. Sometimes when I do the rounds and like they're busy and like you're just constantly talking to people and this will sound this will be my sounding trying this I'm not trying to sound douchey, but like you get a lot of people that come up to you and be like, Hey man, how do I play the round? Hey man, I'd love to play the round. Hey man, this is and then you go to Red Door and it's like I tell people at the end of the round at Live Oak, hey, everybody, the bartenders want to get out of here. We're going to go to this degenerate bar up the road that stays open till 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Call the Red Door. The bartenders are going to go with us once they clean up. Close your tabs so they can close, and we're all going to go to Red Door. So then those same people just bog you there. So I left early, but old sweet boy there, he um, – so he stays here at the studio a lot. We have a little like th through that bathroom. I'm locked. Yeah, I'm locked in here for the next like three days. <laughs> yeah, well, he's practicing on his drums, but um, there's um, a little bedroom in that like in through this bathroom over here in the closet for where 
like any of our Alabama crew that comes up, that works with Trey, will stay in there. But McIlwain, since he lives in Hermitage, he'll be able to go out on Dumumbrian or on Division, get hammered, and he can just walk from Red Door here to the podcast studio. Oh, boom. So I left him there. I think it's like a got, little like sleeping locker. Oh, it's oh, it's his little, it's his, it's his fun house. Yeah, he's just he, he's the set manager, the studio manager, but he is uh we're red door regulars red door to me is just great it's that's the communal that's perfectly located in between what's on demumbria and what's on division it's just a great place to end the night i want the kitchen to open back up and i want to know when they're going to open up that fucking expansion yeah, it is funny because i've only lived here as long as that expansion has been there and i'm like what's this weird part of this bar that just you can't get to <laughs> well, like, the, and the reason, i see it there and the reason they don't have food anymore is because they used to serve all the food out of a food truck that they would run so the food would be made in this little like greasy like trailer and then would get run up into the restaurant and the, there would be a food runner or a server or something. So after New York, I had like years of like odd jobs and I managed a taco restaurant in Virginia for like two years. What was the name of it? I love Brazos. Brazos. Brazos Tacos. And every freaking Texan in the area would come by and be like, you know, it's actually pronounced Brazos. And I'd be like, it's actually Spanish. Get over yourself. <laughs> um, but like uh, – Brazos tacos sounds better than Brazos tacos. Um, but you got to be careful with expanding your footprint because they doubled the size of our kind of patio. And everyone wants to sit outside and drink margs and eat tacos and stuff. And we did not double the size of our kitchen. Yeah. And it was a cluster. Like, yeah. just it was impossible. It, with that many people, it just, there was no way to actually keep up with demand. And that's when, you know, someone that had way more experience in the restaurant industry than me was like, oh, your kitchen should always be about the size of your seating area. And I was like, are you crazy? Um, but now I now I believe her because yeah. I'm like, maybe that's their fear. Yeah. You know, it would not be smart to add this much I actually more capacity. heard last night of what that is going to be. What I is think it? it's uh, going to be for private events. They're just going to rent out one little section of Red Door. I mean, that makes sense. There's enough famous people that go in there to rent stuff. I think that's what they're going but, for. VI, yo, let's go to Red Door. We got, I, I bought VIP at Red Door. That just doesn't sound right. I like it being the it gritty sea spot. It might sound right to someone not from here. Oh, yeah, the tourism on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, the I'm tourism like, on the weekends might you, work. You could just set up like a little, uh, I don't know, bachelorette Bot luncheon. Red Door bottle service. <laughs> It's happening. Dancing. It's that happened at Brazos one time. Some some woman came by and I saw her pushing the tables together and putting balloons up. And yeah. I was like, man, what are you doing? And she's like, well, my daughter, she's a bride and she's bringing 12 of her friends, which is going to be good business for you. And I was like, okay, we didn't know anything about that. And like, we don't really reserve tables. When are they coming? She's like, they're going to be here at two. And it was like noon. And I was like, ma'am, you can't take two full picnic tables. Um <laughs> And for two hours, and she's like, well, I would be a little bit more appreciative if I were you. Um, of, And it was just a very frustrating convo. But yeah. then the worst thing in the world happened, which is when they all got there, this woman had been a menace, and she was very unpleasant and had been claiming this table and sort of peacocking around at the patio. And when, uh, when all the girls got there, I don't know how this happened, but we forgot the alcohol in their margaritas, <laughs> like all 12 margaritas that went out. <laughs> like sometimes when it's a huge batch like that, you're just mix them all in a picture and shake yeah. it up. But they just forgot the freaking, uh, 
tequila. And it was, fortunately, it was all these young, it was like 22-year-olds. Did they act um, like they were fucked up? Did they not even know They the were difference? like, oh my gosh, these are the best marks I've ever had. And I'm like, well, good, because you're rocking with sugar, triple sec. I mean, there was triple sec in there, I guess, but there was no tequila. Um, and I didn't know what to do because I was like, oh gosh, if this woman, if this woman finds out um, and comes and complains, it'll just be like, it's going to cause a civil the, war. The God, she'd already been fighting with one of the servers. The Godzilla of Karens. Yeah. And, and frankly, we made a giant mistake. So I'm like, well, this, this would be a justified Karen outrage. And I was like, you know what? If they say anything, um, you know, I'm going to comp this. I'm going to, where they're obviously going to get like a full next round. Yeah. And, and like, those ones are totally on us. I made her, I went and made the mom like a, cause she hadn't gotten a drink originally. So I made her like a really good drink and brought it out to her. I was like, let me know anything. You just got to flirt a little. Um, and everything went fine, but yeah. that was my, my great fear was I was scared of look bridal, any kind of event things yeah. in the service industry. I find it too high pressure. Yeah, I did. I did a year on Broadway. We get a hundred bachelorette parties a week. I guess that's true. Which is, which, as a, which as a single dude on Broadway is great at times, but then you're like, wait, this as a it. bouncer, you probably got to like deal with a lot of drama and fun. Oh, bro. You deal with all dude, we had in my first year we had, we had, um, so it was 20, it was fall. I got, I was there October, 2018 to September, 2019. And that time we had a CMA, it was this last CMA fest pre COVID. So that was crazy. Like it was normal CMA fest. We had, um, all the Titans games, all the predators games, all the concerts at Bridgestone. We had the NFL draft on Broadway. Wow. They put a stage by the river and they had the NFL network and like all the things. Every fan base of every team was in town for a week. I worked at th during CMA Fest, I remember I worked the Ty Bentley show was still a thing on the on the uh on Cumulus on Nash FM here. And they were doing they were doing morning show stuff, so I had to be there from like three thirty in the morning till like six o'clock at night bouncing on Broadway. Jeez. This is crazy shit. You just see a lot of stuff down there, man. Broadway's not not for me. We have friends that like going to Broadway a lot because they prefer Broadway over Midtown, which is kind of odd. But when I guess when you when you work in music and you don't want to talk music all the time, you can just go to Broadway and watch bands and yeah, get hammered true. do dumb shit. <laughs> uh, the only way I do it is if there's like not a titans game happening and you can park over at the stadium and then i just walk over that uh, footbridge yeah the, yeah the pedestrian bridges but i've learned solid. my lesson too many times of being like maybe i could find parking somewhat near there it's just like no I'm not even yeah. gonna try yeah the parking situation's rough man but um what last finishing up here what are some of your like favorite spots that you've kind of discovered in town like where do you like you're a mall guy so you're a river you're a rivergate river mall you're i mean river truly i'm probably like any any given week, I'm probably at least once have walked through the Rivergate Mall. Not bought a thing, but just walked through. Um, have you gone down the Franklin? I feel like you'd be a Franklin guy. Uh, I went once when I was looking for furniture for my apartment. Went to their Goodwill. It's very fancy. <laughs> yes. Everything's super nice. Their Goodwill is like uh, Gallatin Sears. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, the Franklin Goodwill is the Gallatin Sears. Um, uh, uh, I like it. It looked like a movie set. That little high school down there and the pretty street lamps. Um, where else have I really liked? I, you an East Nash guy at all, or does that? I, I do. I'm, I'm about. To, I'm very excited this afternoon. I'm getting. I want it to be a spot that I love. I'm getting like a nice ass haircut. I've never gotten like a a fancy like haircut and which, beard trim. Which one you go? It's called to? Black Heart. Okay, I've uh, heard of that barber yeah. or something. Yep. Their site is kind of like standoffish. It's like 
let us reiterate our cancellation policy. If you don't show up, you will still be charged. We don't care um, if something came up. If you don't communicate this, you will be charged the full price of your haircut. Uh, this is how our business works. It's just, and, and I'm like, ooh, but I feel like they take their craft seriously. Yeah, if they're doing um, all that, and I, I, I like that. So there's, I, a, there's a list of people wanting to get their haircut. They're they're I, mad about a cancellation. Yeah, I want it. So I want it to be. I want it to be one of my spots. Um, I also uh, okay. I love Red Door. I, I I went to some bar that I think is really cool early on here, and it was like a random day, so I don't know if it's busy or what, but it was called Pearl Diver. Um, I've heard of that. And that place yeah. was really cool. It was like straight out of the 1950s. It yep. was all like emerald green and flamingo pink, and yep. I got yeah. a Mai Tai, and like it was uh, – <laughs> I never had a Mai Tai before. I was like, that seems like the appropriate thing to get here. It seems tropical, yeah. and I've never had one before. Um, so – I think that place is cool. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I like 51st Deli. Dude, That yeah. place just sort of reminds me of this place back home called Bodo's Bagels in that it's like you roll in still in your sweatpants on like a Saturday morning and you get a bagel sandwich and a coffee. Like yeah. I like that place you a lot. You a big brunch guy? I'm a big that kind of brunch guy. I'm okay. not a big like let's dress nice and eat eggs benedict and have mimosas. I've always found it cringe yeah i would agree with that i, I prefer <laughs> the 51st stuff well because there's a place on the west side of town called big bad breakfast and no no free ads here but like big bad breakfast is a cool spot not like a get dressed up in new mimosas just I went like to some place that i loved on the breakfast. west side called wendell smith's oh dude yeah. i liked that for breakfast yes wendell yeah. smith's is good are you a hot chicken guy i've never had it do you like spicy shit no. No. I mean I don't hate it, but some I did have a slice of that hot chicken. It was like there's some pizza place near Whiskey Jam and they have a slice of pizza that has two bits. that has like hot chicken on it. It yep. was too hot for me. Yeah. Yeah, you got yeah, and Stillery's good right there too. The restaurant right across from Winners. That's a good little spot to pop into. Um Oh, I went is this boring for people? No, okay. this is fine. We um, talk about Nashville's like and we always wrap up with like okay. Nashville spots. Okay, 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 okay. Um I went into a place called uh, granted, when I first got here, I was like a mystery to a lot of label people because they were like, we've seen your videos for years, but no one had ever met me because I didn't ever come here. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I got treated to a lot of nice places and I wasn't footing the bill. So that could color, that could <laughs> color that is my experience at some, at some of these places. Wine and dining, Grady Smith. Let's go. <laughs> so it's, it's like fun to go get like steak tartare at Fifth and Taylor when you're not paying. Yeah. It's fun to go to Oku when you're not paying. It's fun to uh, like, but the best thing I had was the dessert at um, a place called Butcher and B. Um, someone got a piece of the banana cake. They're like, you got to get the banana cake. And oh my gosh, it was like the best, <laughs> it was the best like thing I've eaten in Nashville. So maybe if you just need like a great romantic date for somebody, just get a drink and the banana cake at Butcher and B. Is the portion big enough to where you get You can definitely, two people can split it. Two people can split it. It wouldn't okay. be like a meal, but just for dessert. Just for just a quick little dessert and drink. Yeah. One last thing, because you've driven through East Tennessee a lot. Have you ever had Pals? No. You've never had Pals in East Tennessee? The, the East Tennessee is like a sort of big area. Well, well I'm talking it's like, like off 80. I'm talking like tri-cities. Like Bristol, Johnson City, Jonesboro, Kings, Kingsport. No, and I always sleep in Bristol too on the way home. So there's Pals Sudden Service. 
There's my family in like Jonesboro, that Tennessee. Helps. They're actually coming coming through Nashville tonight. I'm grabbing dinner with them. They my farm my uncle Phil, he calls himself um he's a farmer, he calls himself Frugal Farmer Phil. Okay. Jonesboro Tennessee. He's from Stanton, Virginia originally. So he's a no proud way. Virginia not guy. far from Charlottesville at yeah, all. Yeah, he's a VMI guy. Proud okay. proud Virginia guy. But um I grew up going to Powell's whenever I go to visit them. It's a fast food place, drive through only. The, the building is the food. So it's like a hamburger, a hot it. dog, and they're only in East Tennessee. And they like put their employees through like a month long training program, like school. It's like Chick like Chick fil A kind of thing where they're like very. We yeah, we had it in Bristol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fed all of them. Double. I can't wait to I can't wait to go try it. I mean, I literally drive. That's exactly yeah, the route dude, I have to take. They to have home. one. You know all the you know like the Bass Pro is on eighty one. On the left, when you're crossing over, Brist- it's like in Bristol. No, I gather that y'all are more attuned to like Bass Pros than me. <laughs> I don't. Um, I am by association. <laughs> I'm um, still a proud New Yorker. Just like, I'm just but, like, okay. but there, well, there's, well, there's like the bat, there's like the shopping center that's on 81, like right on the state line on 81. Okay, that exit, you'll see there. You just type it in your your maps or whatever on your route. But they have them only in the tri cities. They're fucking delicious. The food is not super expensive, and it's all fresh, like at East Tennessee. I, I fight that it's my favorite fast food in the country, and I go all over the country on the road. I've been to like forty something states. I've had everything. Pals is my favorite, and it's Heck East yeah. Tennessee. Well, I'm excited to try East Tennessee, Southwest Virginia original. You know, which I'm proud of too because I love that area. Well, heck yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're including Virginia in that because, because Bristol is partially Virginia. I know, and Bristol, which is different. why I think it's dumb. Look, as much as I am a <laughs> hater of my own home state. We just gave up the whole country music debate, and we're like, "Oh, Tennessee can just own it." Where I'm like, "You know where the Carter family's from? Virginia. <laughs> yes. You know where are. Bristol is? Half in Virginia. Yes. And yet Tennessee is like, we created country music, and it's like, okay. No. Um, but so I'm glad <laughs> that at least Pals is fighting the good fight. They are, um, and including themselves in the Virginia for, and Tennessee for sure. Well, where can people go to find you? And plug I'm all, just on plug on shit. YouTube. It's just my name, Grady Smith. Uh, and on Insta, it's Grady W. Smith. Same with TikTok. And I don't know. On any of my videos, there's like a whole long list of all my various links, okay, cool. Spotify stuff. And, and so people can just click on any of those. Hell yeah, dude. Well, this was a real pleasure having you. I oh, appreciate so you. Went, I figured we would talk for a while. I know I gave you kind Did of we? the... Kind of the... Yeah, we've been here. It's like three o'clock. About an hour and a half. Yeah, we got after it. I figured we'd be talking a lot. So it was a good good freaking episode, well, heck man. yeah, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Guys, be sure to check out our boy Grady Smith. You can find him on, of course, on his YouTube channel. Uh, he's got a lot coming up here in 2023 going forward, the year of going forward. And if you're here in Nashville... Uh, be on the lookout for Red Door, Rivergate Mall. He's hanging out at Rivergate Mall. I, I probably am. He's, or the Walmart on Dickerson. Walmart on Dickerson. But if he's got his AirPods in, it means that he's listening to that new music. So be <laughs> sure to not interrupt him when he's passionately listening and all that stuff. Shout out to the sponsors, uh, Whale Tail Media, Saxman Studios, our boy Mitch Wallace with the Digital Marketing Agency, and our friends at Pickle Jar. Pickle Jar, the world's largest tip jar. Sign up, make an account with promo code ITR. Be sure to rate, like, subscribe. Uh, appreciate you guys for checking this episode out and of course shout out to our band sweet boy behind the camera we'll see y'all next time this has been the in the round podcast